Welcome back to Catchweight Podcast. We're back with another episode. Believe it or not, we are now on number 10. That's right, one zero. Somehow we've made it. And if you're here sticking around, then my credit and appreciation goes towards you. Anyway, on today's show, we've got a packed one. We're going to recap and break down the Royal Rumble as Edge books his slot in the main event of WrestleMania. We've got Caleb Plant's shutout performance against Caleb Truax to defend the IBF Super Middleweight title in the boxing sphere. And we've got some UFC to look ahead to, a big schedule on the way from the world's leading MMA promotion, in addition to a lot of news and tidbits at the end of the show. So this weekend, the road to WrestleMania officially kicked off with the Royal Rumble. Of course, a much quieter rumble than the previous ones in the fact that there was no crowd. But it didn't really take much away from the magic because we got plenty of surprises, especially in that men's match, the return of Christian. We also saw Seth Rollins make his return. But finally, the outcome was perhaps the most surprising, but also one of the most feel-good stories perhaps of the year so far. 11 years to the day of winning his first Royal Rumble, and one year after that incredible return, which took everyone by surprise, Edge enters at number one, lasts a whole one hour and 32 seconds before eliminating Randy Orton of all people to book his slot in the main event of WrestleMania. I think a lot of wrestling fans can be guilty of scrutinising the product as if they are the story makers themselves. Talking about why is this 47-year-old winning the Rumble not one of these young, up-and-coming wrestlers? I say who cares? It's Edge. One of the best of all time. Good to see him returning last year and now he's got that big WrestleMania shot, that shot at a world title and that marquee Royal Rumble victory or the second World Rumble victory in his career. It was a thrilling match. I was on the edge of my seat for probably the last 10 entrances which were done perfectly. We had the return of Christian, we had Seth Rollins back in action, we had a cameo, a 30 second cameo albeit from Hurricane Helms. We also had an appearance from one of my favourite superstars of all time, the big red machine Kane, the mayor of Knox County in Tennessee. The man who voted against mask ordinance in his county actually was wearing his own mask and his usual attire in the match, funnily enough. He also had a little reunion with Team Hell No member Daniel Bryan. They embraced in a good hug it out in the middle of the ring at one point. You also can't forget Carlito. I can't remember the last time I saw him, but it was good to see him spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. Obviously, I'm guessing COVID restrictions didn't allow him to do that in this match. Nonetheless, good to see him there looking good as ever. There were reports that he's going to have a backstage role in the company going forward. So always good to see these older superstars, these more experienced legends, you could say, come back and get involved in the industry. Perhaps only one significant disappointment, and that was in the number 30 choice. Braun Strowman, as much as a good superstar he is, I thought they could have come back with a bigger surprise for number 30, but it was him and he was one of the final people to get eliminated. A team effort from Rollins, Christian and Edge. Christian would get eliminated by Rollins. Edge would eliminate Rollins. And then he would turn around. Randy Orton would hit him with an RKO. Randy Orton attempted to eliminate him, but Edge was able to turn it around and get him out of the ring to book his slot in the main event of WrestleMania 37. I, like I said, had no issues whatsoever with WWE making this decision. I thought it was a brilliant decision. Edge, after what he's been through, after how he's performed, how incredible that return was last year, and now here he is about to get a world title shot at the main event of WrestleMania. Preferably, I would like to see him fight Roman Reigns, but Drew McIntyre is a fun option nonetheless. Either way, it's going to be great to see him hopefully win the title at WrestleMania, and I wonder if that'll be it for his career. He gets to call the time on his own accord rather than having it done to him by injuries and the 
suggestions of doctors as was the case in 2011. At one point we even had Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Edge, Christian and Rey Mysterio all in the ring at the same time which was just phenomenal for it to be witnessed in a WWE ring of all rings in the year 2021. Who would have thought what a match it turned out to be? It was dramatic, it was nail-biting, it is what you want from a Royal Rumble match. It's a shame that they didn't have a crowd to watch it because I think the crowd would have been red hot throughout. Nonetheless, Hopefully that will be the case in 2022 when the WWE will obviously go again in January. On to the women's match, Bianca Belair. It was another great Rumble match and this time they did give a young superstar a chance. I thought it was going to go to Charlotte at one point with how she was doing but eventually the final two were Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. A great match again throughout, just going to scroll through some of the entrances and the participants of this. We had Tori Wilson, we had Victoria who did a Good stint in the match. A couple of NXT women. I can't lie, there was a few superstars who I just had never seen before. Maybe that's because I don't watch NXT. And obviously the women's roster can be thin at times. A great show throughout and it's good to see that Bianca Belair, 56 minutes and 52 seconds, coming in at number three, gets a job done and now gets a world title shot at WrestleMania. Of course, she had a great match last year. There was a lot of hope, a lot of optimism for her going forward. And now she's got that signature Rumble win and they're going to build on that. I wonder which direction they'll go in with that. But again, we have a superstar in the making. Of course, we also had those two world title fights, Drew McIntyre and Goldberg. It was short-lived, but it was physical. Drew McIntyre at one point reeling from being speared through the barricade. He would come back to kick out of a jackknife powerbomb, which I believe only Brock Lesnar has done before. And then he would hit Goldberg with a Claymore kick. And that would be that. He retains the WWE Championship and moves on to WrestleMania. Pretty much how many people would have expected it to go. Goldberg, of course, is made for those more short-term matches, which are full of finishes and full of action. And that would be it. Of course, I think fans would have imploded if they opened the Royal Rumble show with Goldberg winning, which was out of the question. Also a nice moment at the end as Goldberg raises Drew McIntyre's hand. Almost a seal of approval. Another stamp of credibility on the reign of McIntyre. And then the other brand, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens went through the whole of the Thunderdome. It was physical, some good spots. We saw Kevin Owens jump from a truck or forklift of some sort. But eventually the finish saw him being choked out by a guillotine after handcuffing Roman Reigns to some metal frames. And that would be the end of it. So Kevin Owens, of course, loses out because of the assist from Paul Heyman. Obviously the theme now. Again, I don't really comment on the actual nuances of matches because WWE book things how they book things. They could have maybe went out with a more spectacular finish, possibly when they sent Kevin Owens through the table, but it was a fun match. I think the ending could have let it down slightly, but nonetheless, we saw a great demonstration of Kevin Owens' skills and Roman Reigns' ability as a performer. They went throughout the Thunderdome, throughout Tropicana Field, and we got a physical, hellacious matchup at the end of it all. Of course, it will take a couple of episodes of Raw and SmackDown for the landscape to really take shape. But I would like to see, personally, Roman Reigns versus Edge for the WWE Universal Championship. I think it will be a fun match. I think both styles will do well in terms of, you know, you have the spear versus the spear. I'm not too much into it being billed as that. I hope they don't bill it as that because I think it's just a bit, you know, cringy. But who am I to speak on such an industry and such a craft? Anyway, I believe it'll be a fun rivalry. You can have Edge talking about how he used to be like Roman Reigns, that heel, that disrespectful person, and it will make for a fun matchup. I just can't see Roman Reigns losing to Edge in the fact that 
They want to build this Roman Reigns momentum all the way to the top. Then again, when you consider Edge may retire after winning the belt, you could see Roman Reigns reclaiming it later down the line and continuing to dominate SmackDown if this was just to be Edge's crowning moment before calling it a day. A very fun rumble though. I have high expectations for this WrestleMania. Of course, last WrestleMania we started with the crowd here and then all of a sudden COVID hit. WrestleMania would now be at the Performance Center and all of it just lost its momentum and it's built a little bit. Now WWE know what they're dealing with. I think the plan is to get some fans in because of course in the American football stadiums they have managed to have some audience. Of course, the Super Bowl, which will be there this weekend in the same stadium that WrestleMania will transpire in a few months later, is having fans. So it is possible. And that would be good to see. WrestleMania, it is a big event. It is a big global event. It's something that couldn't happen last year. It was a cancellation that really stung for the WWE. Their big yearly event, having to turn on a six punts. And they did well. You know, they had their adaptations in terms of the cinematic matches, but it wasn't what it could have been. And now this is a chance to, re- this is a chance to rewrite that. And I hope they do. And I think they will. It's been off to a great start. Edge and Bianca Belair, two fantastic winners. One a legend, the other a young prospect. A great mix, a great contrast of winners. And now we go forward. So that's a wrap for the Royal Rumble. I think I've said all I need to say on that. We're going to switch gears now to the boxing ring. So with the exception of Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell's electric curtain razor, 2021 has been a slow start for the boxing year. There is a feeling now when you look at the schedule on the cards ahead that it's beginning to ramp up now and I believe that may have started on Saturday night. In the Battle of the Calebs, Caleb Plant shuts out Caleb Truax over 12 rounds to defend his IPF super midweight title and of course he also throws his name into the Canelo sweepstakes maybe later on in 2021 with the Mexican already booked for two fights up until the first half of the year. So in essence, this fight was an exhibit of the hand speed and creativity of Plant, but the toughness and durability of Truax was also admirable and on full display throughout 12 rounds. Plant took the centre of the ring from the start. He did a lot of good work with his lead hand, a lot of combinations coming from the left hand only, and that was a common theme throughout the fight. It would be later revealed that Plant did sustain an injury. He does have a history of hand injuries, so we hope this shouldn't be too long or too many, too much time on the sidelines for him. It could be a hindrance in his career, and probably that could be the reason why he wasn't able to knock out Truax. Mind you, Truax was game. He did land maybe five or six right hands that, if they were from Canelo, if they were from an p- opponent of a greater stature, no disrespect to Truex and what he's achieved, of course, a former world champion himself. It could have been a different story for Plant. Plant was comfortable throughout the whole fight, staying in range for most of the time, but with great head movement and good movement in general, good ring craft on display from the reigning champion. I think the reaction to this fight would have been a lot different if Plant was able to do all what he did in the earlier rounds and then able to take Truax out. Truax was very game, he was bloodied up, but he never was hurt badly in the fight. He was just getting hit throughout and he couldn't really come up with anything to trouble Plant. He didn't have the speed. Of course, 37 years old now, not to be ageist or anything, but time is passing for him. He has had his great moments beating De Gale, stunning him in London. So that could be that in terms of his shot at reclaiming that red strap. Personally though, I thought it was a solid performance from Plant. He did what he needed to do. He was never in any grave danger. Yes, he got caught by a couple of right hands. But when you consider that he did have the hand injury, he did what he could. He worked a lot on that lead hand. He landed some great combinations. A few punches at the commentary team were even getting confused at. I think they were either shovel hooks or some sort of jabs from the hip. But some unorthodox techniques. And of course, if you look at that, 
it's another challenge potentially that you could mark it as something for Canelo to tackle later on in the year. Of course, he's got two fights to come before that. And while they're not granted that he's going to win them both, he is Canelo Alvarez and he is arguably the best boxer on planet Earth right now. So it would be hard to pick against Canelo if he does fight Plant later on this year. Of course, if he did land the, does land the shots that Truax was able to land on Plant, it would be a very different story for sure because Canelo is an insanely big puncher, as we all know. And of course, when you look at the resumes from both men, that is also another question entirely. Plant and Canelo's history of opponents are night and day. Canelo has fought a who's who of current boxing greats. Plant hasn't really fought many greats himself. So perhaps Plant may want to hold off on that Canelo fight. You know, it is a big money fight. However, it could be very damaging for your career when you talk when you consider the damage and you consider the halt to the momentum if your unbeaten record gets taken thoroughly and dominantly by Canelo Alvarez. I personally think the fight to make now would be Caleb Plant versus David Benavides. David Benavides is a two-time WBC super middleweight champion. The first time he got stripped of it was for a positive test for cocaine. The second time was in August when he missed the super middleweight limit and subsequently got stripped of the belt. Weight issues aside, this would be the fight to make if it's not named Canelo. Plant and Benavides are two names who are on the hunt for that Canelo fight, but maybe they'll need this big fight to get them over the line and get them that test that they need before stepping in the ring with the pound-for-pound number one in the world right now. Canelo will most likely fight again in September should he not get injured or get defeated. And perhaps it will be between the winner of Benavides and Plant if they can make that in the summer. There's still plenty of time to make the fight. They don't want to be sitting on the sidelines for too long. I probably would pick Plant over Benavides. I think that is a great matchup though. Probably one of the best fights you can get in world boxing right now in terms of how close it would be. Either, though, would struggle against Canelo. Particularly with Plant, as we saw, he did get hit. Granted, he wasn't getting lit up, he wasn't getting stunned, but he did get hit. And Canelo was, of course, a big puncher, as I said before. Taking the hand injury into account, though, solid performance from Plant. Truax was tough, Truax was game, admirable in his heart and his determination to keep on going, but just outclassed on the night. Caleb Plant, still the IBF super middleweight champion. Moving on to some news now in the boxing world. I'm going to keep this particular bit short because I believe celebrity boxing does undermine the sport of boxing. Jake Paul will fight UFC fighter, well, former UFC fighter, but still contracted UFC fighter, Ben Askren, in April. Ben Askren, of course, was on the receiving end of the quickest knockout in UFC history when Jorge Masvidal's knee took his soul in July of 2019. Could this be the fight that Jake Paul gets humbled and the wheels finally fall off in the celebrity boxing thing? Possibly. I don't know, though, because, of course, Ben Askren, not the best of strikers himself. However, he is a fighter with professional fighting experience and plenty of it. So we may see a stunner on the cards. Hopefully we do, not to rain on anyone's parade. If Jake Paul wants to be professional and wants to pursue a career, then by all means. But by fighting Nate Robinson, was it? a YouTuber called Gibb as well, and now Ben Askren. That is not the right way to go about it. It is a circus, and I'm not a fan of it at all. Tiafimo Lopez himself spoke out against it on Twitter. Anyway, enough of the celebrity boxing arc for now. We're going to switch gears to the rest of the news. Joshua and Fury continues to pick up steam. It's likely there'll be two announcements now, according to Eddie Hearn. One to confirm that the contracts have been negotiated, and then the second with the venue. But they are chipping away at it now. The path seems to have cleared. Usyk is likely to fight Joe Joyce, so that's a big stumbling block out of the way. Not sure if there's a lot of clarity on Deontay Wilder's situation, but perhaps he could step aside too with other fights on the horizon for him. It also seems that the speculation and buzz surrounding Pacquiao 
fighting Ryan Garcia has fizzled out. Could it have been a publicity stunt? I think so, because this could have been quite a bad loss for Ryan Garcia to take, no matter how big the fight would have been. But that fight is on hold for now. Wouldn't be surprised if talks start to ramp up again after we see a bit more clarity in that lightweight division. Of course, Garcia could fight Davis and a whole host of other people. Haney and Lopez have also been drawing at each other, so that could be the direction we are, we go at. Of course, nothing solid on that route either, but something to look out on. And finally, UFC. So, Saturday night, Alistair Overeem continues his run for that one last shot at a UFC heavyweight title. He'll fight Alexander Volkov in the main event of the UFC Apex card, and that will start a string of events where... The UFC will be broadcasting events every Saturday until March the 27th and there's a lot of cracking fights on there. Over this period, half of the UFC's titles will be defended, hopefully. We know the Apex events have a trend of being hit hard by COVID and fight withdrawals. Hopefully that's not the case here because there's a lot of great fights on tap from the title fights including Miocic versus Ngannou which will end all of this action, Volkanovski versus Ortega, Adesanya and Blakowicz as Adesanya looks to become a two-time champion, Jan and Sterling will finally get it on, Nunez and Anderson will finally fight, we've got Usman and Burns who will finally fight after their Fight Island summer one did fall out, and of course we've got Alistair Overeem trying to get that final shot of heavyweight glory. So the Reem got two stoppage victories in the year 2020, defeating Walt Harris and Augusto Sakai. He'll now get in there with Alexander Volkov. He won't have to worry too much about the ground game. I'm pretty sure of that. It should be a very interesting striking battle. I personally think it's a great matchup. And not to pick a side here, it would be good to see Overeem get the win. You know, he's had a storied career. This will be his 67th professional fight. And of course, the UFC gold has always eluded him. He's had those win streaks, but then he walked into the likes of Stipe Miocic. Remember on that wild first round at UFC 203? Them shock losses to Antonio Silva, to Travis Brown. Ben Rothwell also stunned him before the win streak. Then, of course, he got flattered by Francis Ngannou later down the line, which could factor in to Overeem's future. So the heavyweight division is not on hold anymore. There's a bit of traction. We've got it moving. We've got Stipe and Ngannou booked to fight at the end of March. But then we've got the elephant, or shall I say the bones, in the room because John Jones is, of course, making that move up to heavyweight and he's probably going to be in line for the winner of Stipe and Ngannou. Where does that put Overeem? Perhaps against another one of those contenders. Of course, another risk of him getting knocked out and him getting completely derailed. Or could he wait on the sidelines for the win here? I don't personally think a win over Volkov will guarantee him a title shot when you consider what needs to be done to secure the title shot with how busy the heavyweight division is. But if he can get ready and perhaps be on hold because if Stipe and Ngannou fall out or maybe the Stipe and Ngannou winner and the Jones fight falls through, he's got to be ready to try and take that fight and get that final illustrious goal that has eluded him for his whole career. But we'll see how it goes. Overeem still has a lot in him. Of course, he's knocked out two fighters that were teetering on the level of elite, but not elite. You could say Volkov is now probably an elite heavyweight with, with what he's achieved. So this will be a great test to see where both are at. And if Overeem can keep running towards heavyweight gold he is perhaps two wins away from that shot now I'd say a win over Volkov maybe one more win not even one more win actually if he does step in like I said speaking of legends we've also got a cracking co-main event Corey Sandhagen fresh off that spinning back kick victory over Marlon Moraes will fight Frankie Edgar Edgar of course still at bantamweight looking at pastures new looking to try and win another title here to go along with his success in the other divisions 
this is a very interesting fight. I wonder if Edgar can take down Sandhagen or if Sandhagen's kickboxing will take in the victory. It's a shame this is not a five-rounder. I would have thought this would be a five-rounder because Sandhagen and Edgar's last fights have been main events. But of course, this is just a credit to the UFC schedule. This is a great card on Saturday night. We've also got Benio Dariush opening the main card against Diego Ferreira at £155. And I'd say right now, with what he's been doing and the crazy finishes he's had, Benio Dariush is probably must-watch. Cody Staman also fighting Andre Uel and the flyweight division, which is having a renaissance as of late. There's so much talent in there. We've got Alexandra Pantoja fighting the unranked Manel Cape. We'll see how that one goes if Pantoja can get up and get another shot at Figueiredo. This is looking like a great one. There should be a lot of great events on tap now for the Apex. I don't think they're going to go back to Fight Island till the summertime. Uh, Dana White told the media that after the UFC 257 event. But we've got some great events here. I just hope it can all stay together and they can't finally get that protocol in place for keeping the cards together at the Apex. Now, a final note. It's been one week since that stunning Conor McGregor knockout loss at UFC 257 and it's still hard to put into words how that went down and just how much it shook up the world. McGregor now is in limbo. We haven't heard much from him as of late. We have heard a lot from Dustin about where he wants to go with this talking about fighting Nate Diaz. He does seem to be stalling a little bit, but I suppose he's using his bargaining power now. A win over McGregor is as good as it gets. Maybe up there with the bargaining power for UFC belt itself when it comes to cutting deals with the UFC. His next fight has got to be for the title, but who's it going to be against? I think the right move to make in terms of the rankings and the streaks that Oliveira has put together is Dustin versus Oliveira for the title. Of course, with all due respect, Charles Oliveira, not the biggest name in the division. And that is what Dustin is looking for now. He's looking for those legacy fights, but he also wants a title fight. So I would not be surprised whatsoever if they make Dustin versus McGregor for a third time for the lightweight title. That would take some justification, but Connor has done these things before. He commands it with his star power and his credibility. And if he does want the rematch, then it's going to be massive. I think this will be up there with Nate Diaz levels in terms of the importance to McGregor and just how big of a fight it would be. There's been a lot of talk about McGregor's performance and how different he looked. Of course, when it comes to a McGregor fight, everyone seems to become a body language expert. Everyone does their best at looking at how he looked before the octagon. Did he look that confident? So on and so forth. In this case, I agree with a lot of people who are saying that he did approach the fight more for as a boxer. He, of course, brought his old boxing co- coach in from the Crumlin Boxing Club. He had that deeper, wider stance that, of course, left the leg kick open, which is one of the reasons why back in 2015, I thought Aldo would have success against him, against that wide lead leg. I thought Aldo would chop away at it, but, of course, Aldo, orthodox, didn't really have that much access to the leg as, for example, Poirier, a fellow Southpaw, would have done, and he exploited on the night. It's surprising that we didn't see anyone go for McGregor with calf kicks as aggressively as before but then again when you look at the southpaw and the actual mechanics of it it made sense that Poirier was the one to exploit it but anyway hopefully we'll see both of them back in the octagon very soon and hopefully sooner rather than later we'll also see them in that rematch because it'll be very interesting to see them settle the score now one on one the third fight lightweight title on the line should Connor earn his way back in there he may not have to earn his way back in there he might just get it straight away if he pushes the UFC hard enough but it will be a shame to not see Charles Oliveira fight for the title again. He deserves it as well. I think the lightweight pitcher obviously still hasn't gained any clarity yet. Not surprisingly, there will be a while before the fights do get made or do get in the works. But I think at this point, Gagey versus Chandler, 
Poirier versus Oliveira for the lightweight belt and McGregor versus Tony if he wants or McGregor versus Diaz if he wants it. Or I wouldn't be surprised if McGregor waits out for Dustin again. If Dustin wins the belt, he'll go for Dustin. If Dustin loses, he'll go for him as well. Perhaps even easier to make that fight should Dustin lose. But I see the lightweight title finally getting crowned on Dustin or at least him getting a shot at it in his next fight regardless. Whether that's McGregor or not will depend on the timeframes of everything involved. I believe that's it then for this week's episode of Catchweight. All wrapped up from the Royal Rumble to Caleb Plant's title defence to what is to come in the UFC. The business is now really picking up. We're on the road to WrestleMania. The boxing schedule is really spicing up now. And of course, we've got UFC events every week for the foreseeable future. So we're going to be on the ball. We're going to be covering this all. Stay tuned to our social media pages at CatchweightPod on Instagram and Twitter for the latest news. Also go to at sporting underscore matrix or thesportmatrix.com for the latest sports news, not just on fighting, but on all sports. Anyway, thank you for listening. We will be back next week with an all new episode reacting to Overeem versus Volkov, what's going on in the boxing and how the road to WrestleMania is taking shape. Till then, take care and enjoy February. I hope that it's a much better month for us all. 2021 is beginning to get going now in all respects. So hopefully we can stay on the ball and keep succeeding in whatever we're trying to achieve. Good luck, everyone. Take care and see you next week.